Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. Our partner's spinal cord injuries are what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges this lifestyle presents, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we discuss fresh topics and new ideas surrounding relationships, self-care, and living your best life as a caregiver and partner to someone with a serious injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SEI podcast. Here we go. Let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to one of our amazing sponsors, Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource for the SEI community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You are not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance or benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, making sure that her clients are doing okay physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free, so contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention the WAGS of SCI. This podcast is brought to you in part by Alexa Ritchie, a fellow WAG of SEI and also an online health and fitness coach. Alexa is always willing to help create sustainable routines that work for you. She can be reached via her Instagram account at The Good Life with Alex or via Facebook at Alexa Lynn, A L E X A L Y N N. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wags of SEI podcast with your hosts, Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. Hi guys, welcome back. So today we have a, a little bit of an interesting topic. It's kind of like a follow-up topic to a podcast we released a couple of months ago, um, focusing on, I think it was called Fighting for Caregivers' Rights. Um, and this episode kind of highlighted our personal journeys, um, with insurance and with government and just kind of how to fight for your rights as a caregiver and how to view the fine print and what to look for and kind of how to fight back when you're facing a wall when it comes to your insurer or whoever your benefits are under. It's all kind of the same. Any sort of big insurer. Um, or government body that takes care of your disability, your partner's disability. 
Um, so we wanted to to do a follow up because it's been a few months now, right, Elena? And um, we have a lot to say. A lot has gone on, um, and we are also really inspired to do this from a message we received, a success story, um, in our Facebook inbox on the weekend. So before we get into that, which is super exciting, let's talk about kind of like current events. So yeah, what have, what's been going on in your summer so far? Any any highlights? Anything you wanna you wanna mention, Alina? To be quite honest, I mean, beginning of like COVID was really interesting. I think that was in March. I honestly have lost track of time um, with everything that's been going on. (laughs) So it's hard to believe that it is September 1st. And our summer has been really interesting as it has for most people. I think the most important part is that we can acknowledge um, the fact that we have a roof over our head. We have clean water. We have the supplies we need. We have food. You know, we, we feel overall quite safe living in the part of the world that we are located in. Um, so I think that is a huge, you know, that's something that we have to be really mindful of and, and really thankful for. Well, yeah, especially since all our, our American friends are just really struggling right now. And there's just like still crazy case increases and it must be really scary. So anyone out there who is, you know, in the States, who's in a part of the world that has a high case count, it just keeps growing. It seems we hope that you're looking after yourself. We hope that you're, that you're okay. Right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And as uh, many of you know, we do run a private Facebook group called the Wags of SCI private discussion group, where we have at least 30, 40, 50 posts a day from different women sharing their personal experiences. And this is something that's been a great tool for us to have a bit more knowledge around um, the current events that are happening in different parts of the world for our women. Yeah. So that's a great, great portal to keep us in the loop. So, and I know, I don't know about you, Elena, but I've been really feeling like this, um, the private group has been so helpful as far as like the mental and emotional health of like knowing that all these other ladies are in a similar situation as you kind of like kind of scared, trying to protect their partner kind of in an, you know, a less than desirable situation right now because our partners are high risk and a lot of our wags are actually high risk too. And a lot of them work in healthcare. So it's been like a really nice resource. Yeah. During this time. For sure. Having, having the community, right. Yeah. It's, It's like, lived experiences sometimes can be the best best advice can come from best advice right um so totally. that's really great um as for summer dad and i from our own personal perspectives and experiences we have done two weekends in a row of camping out in the wilderness just got home uh early this morning and these um, are your first camping trips right that you guys have done like post-injury right even pre-injury actually oh cool yeah, so you don't never... have any reference, really. You just kind of <laughs> not really. Like That's we cool. went to like a we went to like a music fest rager sort of thing like a long time ago, like pre injury. Pemberton, yeah, Pemberton, DC, and that is I wouldn't call it camping. Um, I don't think most people sleep through that festival. <laughs> so yeah, for us, it's it's kind of funny because like that's the only reference we have to kind of go back and forth as like a music festival or what we're doing now, which is very, very, very different. Um, 
Um, but yeah, so it's been good. Uh, you know, through COVID, we've been trying to do a lot of outdoor activities um, because it gives us something to do and we're not in a confined space with everybody else. So yeah. we spend a so that was cool. It's it's cool being able to piece things together. You know, we we uh, have like a higher higher uh, air mattress, an air bed that pumps up. That's like equivalent to the height of his chair almost. So that makes it easier for transfers. Uh, we have a ten person tent that his chair can go in and be beside him. So that's been cool. And actually, we're doing another camping adventure next weekend, but in accessible cabins. So that should be cool. Yeah. And also, I think that um, we're Elaine and I were thinking to all our our listeners out there, we're thinking about doing um, a travel series and we're just trying to produce it right now to get like the right episodes um, in the series. But we're going to do plane travel on certain countries that we've been to, um, like general lists for travel. So I think that camping and, you know, more information about camping would be another good episode to add to that. Right, Elena? Yeah. 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 It's like it's like a really inexpensive expensive way of having a getaway vacation like we were looking at like even going to like a specific resort on the island that would have probably run us a few hundred dollars like for the weekend and and this opportunity just kind of came up randomly and we just did it i mean what you're spending like 30 bucks a night for a tent i mean sorry for the spot and then everything else right so yeah and the fact that it's outdoor like that's huge yeah. Yeah. So it's been good. How about you guys? What are you up to? How was your weekend? What's new? Um, I was going to say about the going away thing. Um, Evan and I, we went to Nita Lake for three nights a month and a bit ago. Um, cause we, we go to this place called Nita Lake in Whistler, which is about an hour and a half away from where we live. We're lucky to have Whistler BC kind of close and it's like an outdoor paradise. And, you know, Elena, I know you and I have stayed there before and it's just this really nice, like sort of like remote log Mm -hmm. resort anyways we went there um and you know it was interesting with covid because it was like our first kind of little getaway during you know more like peak season of of covid and we were just like you know what we'll just we wanted to just go up there have a different change of scenery um we take our dog and he swims in the lake and it's it's more remote right but even still we went there with our masks you know i went early and i i sprayed down the room with my like (laughs) natural disinfectant and just like we stayed there for three nights and it was kind of like it was weird it was nice but it was weird and you know not the same no it wasn't the same we didn't go to the restaurants because the patios were all full right and it was like the patios were full we wanted to eat outside and we ended up just getting room service and then just spending the day days at the beach outside so I honestly at the end of it we were like this is not the same this is not worth it to us like doing something like camping because it's outside all we wanted to do was be outside anyways and even when we were inside we were kind of like a little bit paranoid we're just like you know you have to trust that the hotel's cleaning policies are good and and it's fine but it was still just kind of a little bit nerve-wracking instead of relaxing I mean I'm glad we did it but it was still I don't know I, I probably would rather go camping <laughs> to be honest i was gonna ask you how was the price point like was it reduced because the a lot of their amenities like i know like they i don't know if they have like a spa there that could be open and they had like i i don't know they do have a couple of restaurants and like a lounge and stuff were they using that stuff was it open well, okay so it was weird because the price was the same as when we went um a year or so ago there was the same price and they were doing this deal for like, if you stay for three nights, you get 20% off. But I think they've always had that deal. Um, 
And they did a good job. Like the staff were all wearing masks. However, the people in the restaurants, the guests, a lot of them weren't wearing masks. And, but a lot of them were, but a lot of them weren't. And so uh, it was kind of weird. I don't know. They had patios open, but then half of it was closed and it was all right. Um, we, we packed a picnic lunch for, for uh, two of the days. So we ate like outdoors, but that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And then, so we, as soon as we got back to the hotel, we put our masks on, go through the lobby, but there were a lot of people who weren't wearing masks and they were dining inside. And it's just kind of like that little extra, like, uh, I don't know about this, that kind of like, I don't know, affects affected us. We were just kind of like, we went to a room, got the room service, chilled out, hung out, but it was still, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. It's very different. And like, we had this whole conversation about how travel is going to be so different going forward. It's just not going to be the same for a long, long time. And you know what that's going to look like once everybody gets their policies in place. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. We're all in it together. I feel like I've said this before, um, that this, you know, this period in time in our lives, we'll all be able to kind of look at our friends and our neighbors and say, wow, we all experienced something very similar Mm -hmm. together, you know, whereas, um, uh, you know, when our partners first sustained their spinal cord injuries, like we've said before, it was a very isolating time. Our families and our friends, I think that the best they could with Mm -hmm. the tools they had to understand, but they don't really get it they you know that's that's just those are the facts they don't really understand what it feels like to go through a day-to-day lives adjusting to spinal cord injury but i feel like now in reference to a pandemic we can all kind of in unity come together and collectively collectively say that we've been through something that was really uncertain and it seems like we're going to come out on top (laughs) yeah and also like we said at the beginning of the whole pandemic thing it's like we're sort of used to being in isolation. Like we're used to staying home. Like if our partners are sick or if we need to stay home and get rest and um, we make our homes into like our little, our little paradises. Cause we spend so much more time at home than, than everybody else, especially if, you know, our partner doesn't have a nine to five job and you work from home. And so I remember talking about this at the beginning of the pandemic, we were both like, everyone's going to like get a taste as to like what isolation feels like. Right. So yeah, it's yep. been, it's yep. been very telling. So we hope everybody is okay. Um, whoever's listening again, join our private group. If you haven't already, um, it's a great way to interact with everybody and keep in touch in a safe, secure way. Um, another note about my weekend, I know you guys went camping but my weekend. I actually spent spray painting my husband's um, armrests. <laughs> it's such, I wanted to take some videos of it, but I was just like, no, this is so weird. I like, he got these armrests in and they didn't have them in black. So they don't match his chair. He has, he has like a matte black power chair. And so they've been driving him crazy because they really do stand out. And the guy that, you know, his medical rep was like, I, we couldn't get them in matte black. It's they're silver. And so he's like, oh, this is bothering me so much. So I actually ordered some like car paint in matte black from Amazon and I taped off like all of the parts that weren't to be spray painted and I sprayed them and it took like hours and hours and hours of like letting the coats dry and then like fixing the drips it's just like one of those like quad wife activities that nobody else would really understand oh my god yeah <laughs> Mrs. Fix It right <laughs> you've been there <laughs> Uh-huh. I yeah. have indeed. Many yeah. of us have. I know because dance, it's funny that you say that wheelchair repairs. It's like 
I don't know. It's just one of those things I don't think anybody anticipates going into like the injury being like, I will also be wearing the hat of the person who repairs the wheelchair. Yeah. From changing bearings to cleaning out the hair from the the (laughs) casters to, I don't know, repairing like the cushions, the zippers, the everything. So good for you. Another (laughs) pat on the back. Gold star for me. (laughs) Another brownie for you. So true. They actually look really good. They do. They look great. I was shocked. You might be able to open up your own Etsy business. Yeah. <laughs> spray, paint. spray painting. <laughs> yeah, good call. Well, getting into <laughs> getting into a more serious note, the whole purpose for this uh, this podcast is we wanted to just like revisit um, fighting for your rights, fighting for caregivers' rights, fighting for your partner's rights. It seems like the majority of us who have to deal with an insurer or a government body um, or whoever is in charge of allocating funds to help our partners and help us with a disability, whether it's pensions, whether it's insurance payments, whether it is, you know, medical supply payments, whether it's just anything to do with insurance. It's, we always like whether to say, wheelchair repairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we always like to say that like, this is our other full-time job, right, Elena? Like this is like, yeah, it's more than a full-time job. Yeah. And, and that's what I think. I mean, when we were saying earlier, like our friends and family tried their best to understand, but they don't understand. Right. Because it's like, you just, there's just so many things behind the scenes that yeah. likes of I have to do mm-hmm. or assist our partners with doing, or, you know, especially when you're, you're close to somebody who's undergoing all these difficulties and all this red tape, yeah. it sucks. And that is, the reality of being a wag of a CI or somebody with an, with an injury. I think mm-hmm. that's one thing you don't, when like the quick onset of like injury is you don't expect that you will have to constantly be advocating for everything. I think at first we thought, well, these are professionals, these mm-hmm. doctors and nurses and yeah. social workers and everybody have our best interest in mind. And at the very end of the day, you are just a number. Mm-hmm. That is what we've learned in the last four years. You are just a number and you do need to really call, make those calls, keep on calling back, keep on writing those letters, keep on contacting people because there are a huge amount of caseloads and files that these professionals do have to take on that sometimes you do get lost in, in the masses. Yeah, so true. And it's like, it can be overwhelming, right? And, you know, I know my husband, he's, he just gets so stressed out like and his nervous system is impacted so when he gets stressed out um it affects his body and i know there's a lot of women with quadriplegics out there that will probably feel the same thing like when they're stressed it's not good on their body it means more spasms it means headaches it means you know it just shows more physically i find so um a lot of us wives and girlfriends end up taking on most of the advocating you know these guys have enough to focus on the like you know life is harder in their situations so we end up taking on the bulk of it and we end up being the ones that are the ones that are calling and asking why this is so unfair and all that kind of stuff so um yeah i I mean yeah i think sometimes it's also like when you're advocating for somebody you love as opposed to being the person in the position you have a little bit of a stronger voice because you're coming from a different perspective right you're coming from a perspective of 
I mean, the conversation of like deservedness comes into play here too. It's like, is this all I deserve is for somebody to tell me that these are my limitations and this is what I have to work with where I feel like sometimes we kind of become mama bears for our guys where we're like, hell no, like we're going to fight a little harder. We're going to keep on attacking this thing until, you know, there are some equal rights here or... Yeah, as you guys can tell, it's a very passionate topic of ours because we both have such different perspectives um, from who our insurers are and who we're dealing with. But we're all dealing with the same or similar circumstances yeah. of being of being told that you only have very limited options. Mm-hmm. And we can all learn from one another, which is why we're going to keep podcasting about this topic because we have seen, oh my gosh... I don't even, I can't even count how many stories we've heard of, um, especially women sharing their stories on the private group about women who have had the exact same insurance, um, the exact same premiums, the exact same coverage. They're the exact same ages. Um, they just live in different areas. Um, and what has happened is a lot of, they, they just have such different experiences and we've seen kind of these experiences being shown to us from, from a, from a distance. And we've kind of been like, wow, like it's crazy how, Uh, If you don't advocate what you get versus if you do advocate for yourself and if you read the fine print and if you keep updating, updated on the policies, if you have a lawyer, if you have somebody around you that knows how to read these policy handbooks, exactly what you can and cannot receive. And, And these things literally make a difference to the quality of life for not just our partners, for us, right? Can you, yeah, like, can you imagine having um, a legal advocate for yourself while you were like in rehab? Brooke and I have been talking about this actually recently is, you know, you spend so much time by yourself when you have um, a fresh injury. You spend a lot of your your time by yourself sitting, waiting. Your partner is going to be in rehab now for, let's say, four or five, six months, maybe longer, that you need some reading material. You need something. And this is the time that you could be getting some legal advice and advocating. I mean, we recently have our mentor, Wishard, uh, Brain and Spine Law, Robin Wishard. She's amazing. Another female, strong female presence in our community. We would have died to have somebody like that who was our like legal representation who truly cared about getting you your rights and and what you're eligible for like for instance dan and i were on vacation when dan had his accident when we came back now years later we find out that a lot of the resorts that are uh, international resorts are owned by u.s companies and that we could have probably sued we could have had a lawsuit or for some people you could even refinance your home if that's what you need to do to get through that first year robin wishart with wishart brain and spine law can definitely help you guys out with that um our contact is always part of the podcast for Mm -hmm. her so please don't hesitate reach out now before it's too late yeah i think the um amount of time in canada is two years right i think it's different in the states but in canada it's two years you have two years from the time of your injury to kind of like file something, whether it's just a complaint or whether it's something. So I know it's really, really hard to find um, advocates that understand spinal cord injuries. So that's why we're really passionate about talking about Robin and because she does help us so, so, so much. And like Alina said, 
like you said, Alina, like if we would have had her at the beginning, like I guarantee you both our situations would be different. However, you know, what's meant to be will is, be <laughs> right. So it's yeah. like, we can't really go back, but, but no. we can use our voices to help other women. Right. And don't, don't make those errors like, like we did. Right. Yeah, a hundred percent for sure. It's all in hindsight now, but going back to the, why we wanted to have a little bit of a touching base podcast with you guys today is because we had somebody write into us about her specific case with yes. her insurer. Can you read that to us and let us know what's up there? Yeah. So, um, so without naming names, we were just wanted to do this anonymously um, because she privately emailed us. So a little bit of a background story is she actually has a similar um, insurance as as uh, my husband does. Um, it's workers compensation work safe here in BC and in Canada. So, you know, workers comp is all around the world. There's always an organization that specializes in, you know, helping workers if they get injured on the job. So she read that I had experience dealing with them. So she had messaged me over the WAGS email. Oh my gosh. I think this was like six months ago and longer, um, asking for just some advocacy and advice as to what she should do. So in her situation, um, her partner's, her partner was injured later in life and his benefits were going to be cut off at the age of 65. Um, which, doesn't make sense because 65, um, you, you know, especially in today's day and age, you work a lot longer and harder past the age of 65, you know, especially oh, totally. if you, right. Like that's just yeah, so unreasonable. Bone. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, a lot of our parents are still working and they're way past 65 and it's just the way it is now. Right. And so her kind of argument was that she wanted it extended, but she had missed the deadline. So it was, it was, very complex, but there were a lot of things against her. There were a lot of things that she was getting told no. Um, and so then she just kind of kept fighting. So what she did was she went to the highest appeal courts um, in WorkSafe and she ended up getting denied. And she didn't stop there. Usually people would stop there because that's really difficult to do. Um, she went to another advocate um, that specialized in what happens after your appeal gets denied. She went through them um, and she ended up pushing and pushing and pushing, writing letters. And she actually finally, after I think it was has been a couple of years, she finally got, yes, we will extend your husband's benefits for 10 more years, 10 years. That's huge. That's so huge. 10 freaking years. Like I literally, I was like talking to Evan about this last night. I was like, people don't understand. Nothing is no, there's no such thing as no. Like we always say policies are meant to be challenged. Policies are not laws. Policies are internal structures for staff and for guidelines for staff and for guidelines for people. And so just the fact that she challenged that policy that was literally written that you could, you cannot, you know, get paid past 65 and she got 10 more years. Like that is just, that's huge. Right. And yep. Yeah. Appeal, 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 appeal. That's yeah. what we always say. There is yeah. no such thing as a no. Exactly. And like we've just seen so much over these past few few years of running WAGs where we see that some people get denied and they just give up because it's so it's so tough um, to just keep going 
and to like keep motivating yourself to push. And, you know, you get bullied. You do. Like, I, I don't care who your insurance company is. You know, they're powerful people. Um, yeah. And, you and know, they use they use intimidation, right? They want to make make it feel I, I have a hard time dealing with anybody in general in my personal life or or policy or insurer people that use intim- intimidation and bullying to get their way to make you feel smaller than them. Don't let it get to you. Just keep going. Put those horse blinders on and just keep trucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I think that story itself, like from that lady who sent us this story is just, it's huge. And I know that after we both read it, it just like made our weekend, right? Like we were like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. 10 more years of income that would have just gone to the wayside. Like he wouldn't have known, she wouldn't have known unless she kept pushing. Um, And the biggest thing that I thought was really cool about this story is she was told no by the highest levels of appeal courts or whatever it's called. I'm not sure exactly what it's called. And I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to name names, but um, she went was to the- judge Judy. <laughs> yes, it was the, pe- <laughs> it was the people's court brought to you by wags and SCI. Um, no, she, um, she went to the highest levels and she still was able um, to just keep going, even after the highest levels that said no. I mean, that is so motivating, even for me. Like, we're in the middle of three different appeals right now. Um, we've got a Rolodex of appeals. Literally, I check them like every day because I'm just like, what's going on? They actually extended our appeals by an indefinite date because of, quote, due to COVID 19 and unforeseen circumstances, your appeals are going to be delayed. So, like, it's these kind of things that are just hogwash because it's just like there's no accountability. Um, things are just kind of done when they're done. And like Elena was saying earlier, there's you're just a number. And once you realize that you're a number and that they don't actually care, it's about the bottom line, as harsh as it is, um, you can really start to advocate from more of like a impartial stance. Like, okay, no, I am a number. I want to get what I need and I want it as soon as possible. So and keeping keeping the emotions out of it too, right? Keeping the yeah. Sometimes you just got to be like a hard hitter. You got to get in there and just get it done. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I w- I was interested as to like what's going on in your situation right now because I know you guys have. So Elena, as we said in the previous episode, um, fighting for your caregivers' rights. Her and Dan are covered under the government and also private insurance. So it's different than mine. It's still kind of like the same, but just different pools of money. If that makes sense. Um, I know they have similar in the States, but do you want to get into like what's going on with you guys? Oh God, I think that our, we're going to need another couple of podcasts and a couple <laughs> glasses of wine for what's going on here. Um, well, in, in short, we only have a year left of, I guess, like our private, sorry, not private. So what happened to my partner was he owned a home at 21 um, and he bought a life insurance um, when he got his home to protect himself. So when we were in Cuba and he sustained his spinal cord injury, that actually helped us out for five years. That was the cap. So this is our last year. Um, But because Dan has decided to go back to school to become a recreational therapist, um, what's happened is that he's had a lot of funding from the government in support of his academic um, 
achievements, getting good grades, but also academic will to continue on for higher education, which has been really great for him too to kind of get his mind off of things and just start a new life and use his brain. We always say, Brooke and I always say your brain is, you know, it's it's a very important tool. It's a very important muscle to keep going, keep training. Anyways, we Regardless, this is the first year that we've realized that he can have coverage for parts of his wheelchair. So no more wearing those hats of a wag of SCI who has to, you know, run around the city changing bearings or or crying because she's so tired from like all these projects for wheelchairs. And and you know what? I mean, I'm not a professional. I could really mess his wheelchair up i shouldn't be doing this so that that has also been kind of like a bone of contention between the two of us we've we've argued about this for a very long time so having that relief has been really great so for anybody who's considering going back to get um higher education in canada know that there are so many options the government will supply you with everything you need um in terms of making it accessible for you to utilize the classrooms um, everything you need obviously this year he is doing online which is actually kind of cool he just got into his official program for the rec therapist program so instead of having to travel to douglas college which is a couple uh, about an hour and a half i think vi transit the sky train from here he will be doing that online so going back to what i guess our question was around um what we're dealing with it was we wanted to set up cecil cecil and uh for us works really well because right now we do have home support for about an hour and a half in the mornings dan had a official assessment with a privatized ot who came into our home and for brooke and evan as well and did an assessment to again reassess how many hours of support an individual with his level of injury, he's a C5, C6 quadriplegic, could benefit from and actually does need to live the best quality of life for himself had I, as his girlfriend, not been here. So what's been happening is obviously the government takes advantage of caregivers. This is a very known fact. This is not like something I'm pulling out of my ass. Anybody who has an injury, what will happen to you is the government will try to force you to A, go live with your parents, go Mm -hmm. live with some sort of family member, somebody who will in my case, would have to leave their job to take care of the person who is injured. So for a quadriplegic of C5, C6 to have an hour and a half allocated time slot is really not a lot. Considering when your bell program takes you, I don't know, 45 minutes, you have to get dressed, you need to get, I don't know, you need to do some exercises, get on your on your bike, you need to make some breakfast, you need to meal prep, you want to, you know, there's all sorts of things. Let's say he needed to do his own laundry or which is you know, what they're relying on you to do just because you're the there. living there yeah just because yeah. i'm there we're not married but it's because i'm here i guess we're, we're common law now mm-hmm. after being together for so long but so we had the assessment done by an independent ot which had to go up to the uh to our i guess like ministry level um and her OT. what were her recommended hours So her recommended hours, I think, were 16 hours a day is what he should actually be getting Mm -hmm. um, after being assessed for about five hours in her home. Maybe even it was longer. So we had to do a government um, case manager had to come in and reassess us for another five hours to make sure everything lined up. 
in terms of it takes Dan, I don't know, 15 minutes to prep a meal. It takes him this many minutes to transfer from bed to chair. How long does it take for him to get into his commode, which again is assisted, get into his commode to get into the shower? How long does it take for him to get in and out the door? How long does it take for him to set up for school at the table? How long does it take for him uh, to feed the dogs? I don't know. Anyway, so a lot of it came back to us and the hours were cut in half. So according to our case manager through the government here, our hours were cut down to eight hours. And from, then from the, uh, from the occupational report that Chris, that's right. Rowan had submitted that's, the independent one. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they just like right. tossed it aside. And then, yeah, they basically they basically look through it and I don't know what what honestly it's a hard pill to swallow. Then the hours got cut down again. So we've had our caseworker actually call us back a few times now saying, Oh, sorry, I I was not aware of the policies in place for Cecil and oh sorry. And what? you know, we've we've yeah, we've heard many times she's she's supposed to give us a final report in the next week, then somebody's gone on holidays, then it takes a month, then it, we have to call back. It's constant. You have to be on top of them. And you know what? She's actually a great person. We got along with her perfectly. We the banter was great. We all watch the same cooking shows. We make a lot of the same meals in home we got along fine so it's not a personal personality thing like it's not a personal attack it's just that these are the policies you are just a number people really don't care at the end of the day and she's so, just doing her job right she wants to keep her exactly. job Exactly, but, but also I think it's important to put, to point out for those of you who don't know, um, who aren't from Canada, CECL is basically the program where the government has allocated funding for each person who has a disability, and right they, based on the hours that yes, you are assessed, you yes. get a dollar amount so, so that you can hire your care aides, right? Directly. Correct. Yeah, correct. So you would be in charge of you would put out an ad. Yes. Somebody would reply to the ad. Then that's how you kind of piece together your system of workers who would yes. work for you independently. You would pay them independently. Um, you would create your own business. You can give them a raise. You can give them a bonus with the funds and hours allocated to you. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost, and the very most important part is having a proper assessment and having those allocated and approved hours. Mm -hmm. If you do not have approved hours you are getting diddly squat what would you be are, what would be the diddly squat like what would like did she say like what the standard hours are for quadriplegics are there any standard no, hours no there's no such thing unless you are on a sip and puff and mm -hmm. unless you're getting too fed yeah you are not getting a whole heap of laws so for instance she called us back this last week and said oh you know how i told you that um first she said she said well you know dan we can't take this 15 minutes for you to do meal prep for breakfast because elena is here so while she's making breakfast for herself why wouldn't she just make it for her for you too so oh then we had the conversation around, well, what if Elena was not here? What if we broke up? How, what kind of quality of living would he have? Would he have to go and order out from McDonald's every single day? Who pretty much to eat out every day? Let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about that for a long time. And at the end of the day, the caregiver's role is that we take care of our guys and we do a lot of things to be preventative to their health. We're talking from if he's out eating, you know, fast food every day, what is his 
quality of life going to be? How many years is he going to be on this earth? We're talking about, you know, supporting them so many different ways that especially through a pandemic, we are relieving the nurses and doctors in the hospital systems from having a lot of our guys already like being hospitalized by taking care of them. Again, unrecognized, unpaid labor that nobody seems to care about because it's just outdated policies that cannot be you know, or have not been challenged. And I actually had somebody in my family tell me straight up, you know, Elena, this is nice and sweet that you are approaching these policies and care about them, but you will not be the one to change them. Not in this lifetime. Oh, what? Yeah. And I thought that was pretty, I thought that was interesting first, (laughs) first and foremost, I thought, what, why not? But anyways, (laughs) yeah. So So yes, you are going to be the one to change them. Don't ever take no as an answer. Don't ever just be put into a box because somebody tells you you can't. You just fight harder. And you got to start somewhere too, right? You have to start somewhere. Someone has to start doing something. This is like unacceptable. I want to know like when she said to you, oh, if Elena's here and Elena can do it, what, what was your response to that? Like, did you ask her like, okay, put that in writing? Like, because that's against human rights. Well, my response was, and of course, I try not to get too (laughs) fired up. Yeah, because (laughs) I'm like, you know, this is the same conversation we've been having for a long time. We've had it while you were in our home or having it over the phone repeatedly. And so I said, okay, so what if I was not here? I said, so basically, you're telling me if we broke up and I got another apartment, I could come in and care for him and get paid for that. And she said, yes. See, I just, I don't understand that. I I don't understand that. So she came back to us and saying, actually, those minutes for even meal prepping, you are not ever going to be approved for whether Alina was here or not, unless you are on a tube feed. So the fact that he can't really clean up after himself and he can't really keep a tidy home. And so is he just supposed to leave his can't dishes? Reach the microwave. He's not in an accessible unit. We but, don't have a rolling shower. All of that. But not only that, this is a safety it's, issue. Like what happens if something catches on fire? Like what happens if something happens where he's living in unsanitary conditions? Because like, does he have to wait until his staff come in? And, and even then... Are they like the nurses trained to be doing this kind of stuff? Not really. Right. Well, and we have run into those issues where, uh, you know, there were there were a few times like last summer, I was gone for a couple of weeks on and off to to go visit my my mom, who's about four hours away. And she was having her own health issues and being moved into a care facility. So I I had to go show up and move her in there by myself where I left Dan um, here. And there were a few times where he soiled his pants and he would call home care to come in. And they would say, oh, sorry, it's 11 o'clock. We can't come this late. You have to wait till the morning or sorry, you know, during the day. Oh, sorry, it's going to be about five hours. You're just going to have to sit there in your own feces. At which point, even while I've been home, he said things to me like you shouldn't have to clean this up if we do, if we are paying monthly for somebody to come in. But I cannot and I will not sit here and watch my partner sit in, in their own, you know, their own feces and in their own no. flu fluids for hours and then have him it's it's not right it's inhumane it's absolutely against all human rights and standards of living you know what here's here's a good point and this applies to us all when they say oh you know you are here you can clean up after him you can do this you can do that because you're here 
A spinal cord injury, especially a high level one, that's not typical wife and girlfriend behavior having to like, isn't that kind of 1950s of them? Like to say, you clean up, you prep, you do all this, you be in charge of this. Not just the mental kind of stress that that puts on the other person, but this isn't a job of a girlfriend or a wife, especially in today's day and age. Like you have your own life going on. Why would they assume that you'll just do it. That's not uh, your duty. So that's what I just don't understand. Like, I don't get it. And a lot of people work outside of the home. Like right now, because it's COVID, we're all working from home. But many of us are not here. We can't be here. So, I mean, right now, especially right now, and they've said in our specific report that, you know, I would be able to get paid for certain things if um, there were special circumstances. We said, well, it's COVID. We did this for months and months on our own and nobody, you know, nobody batted an eye at that. They just said, okay, great. Alina and Dan don't need the home supported services for the next few months. And, and they're going to relieve the system. And that is what what happened was because there are so many more people that need the care. They just, they had to hire a lot more employees to run around the city to do, provide the care necessary to keep people out of hospitals. So I don't know. It's yeah. really interesting because the fall is coming. Like you said, it's going to be September 1st, right tomorrow. And what's going to happen then? Is there going to be any recognition? No, nothing's going to change, right? And nothing's you know, you know, Elena and I, we, we, we were talking about how next month is Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month and how I feel like both of us are in such um, limbo, not only with COVID, because no one really knows what's going to happen with that during the fall, but also in limbo as far as our separate cases. Um, Like I said earlier, I'm in the middle of appeal, three appeals with our insurer. um, And one of those appeals is a 42 page appeal about being denied um, to be compensated for full time care, primary caregiving um, on our end, and how we were denied because I am his wife, and how that's just wrong. And so like, I can't help but think like, maybe for like, SCI Awareness Month this September, we should talk about our cases and we should get it known because there are thousands of other women out there that are in our exact same situation that are being taken advantage of, treated unfairly, told that they can't be compensated for care when they it's their choice, right? They want to they want to be they're the best care. They want to be their partner's primary caregiver. They want to have privacy. They want to have their own life. And like it's and at some, least have some sort of compensation so yes, you can live your basic yes, needs of a life. Where exactly. You're providing care. So at least have some sort of funding for groceries and a roof over your head. Like I saw recently somebody po- somebody attack one of uh, another Instagram account and saying, you know, um, you're only with him for the money. You guys are rolling in the money. You're being his <laughs> caregiver for the money. And we're all kind of looking at each other like, what? What money? what money are you talking about? Many of us, not that like we don't want to provide the best care. We want to be here for our partners so we can ensure that we don't have more issues. So we can ensure that they don't have another, you know, another wound or another, you know, whatever happens, proper physical care. Yeah. I mean, we've even taken on now a new hat of being the PT from home, Mm -hmm. right? It's like doing the stretches. We've, we've, we've got a yoga, uh, yoga strap here. We have like the uh, massage gun. We have the bike machine or whatever in the house now that it's like, 
We want to make sure that we take the necessary steps to keep our partners safe, but at least for crying out loud, provide them with the basic necessary needs to live a life. Yeah. And the thing is, above poverty level, never, that's like that in itself. Well, I don't even know if that's, that's ever going to happen, but at least provide the basic necessary needs. Well, it's just, they, they kind of want you to live in poverty, right? Because then you're less of a threat. You know, it's it's sad and it's the way our society is built, unfortunately. Um, and I think that in the coming decades, that will change. You know, I think the people with the strongest voices are the ones that have to struggle. And especially with WAGs, like when we're talking about spinal cord injury, you know, spinal cord injured individuals are notorious for having lower incomes because a lot of them can't work. Um, and there's just, there's a lack of understanding when it comes to working with a spinal cord injury, like there's energy levels and there's care needs and there's things that like make it so that, you know, you may not be able to work and that's totally fine, but you're penalized just like we're penalized. Mm -hmm. Like I'm unable to go to a nine to five job. I remember before Evan's injury, I was working 10 hours a day plus a three hour commute to and from and, you know, working on my weekends and, you know, I am unable to do that because I have made the choice that I want to provide my husband with the best care. And I know I've shared a lot of this um, in the past is like, we're very private people. We've chosen this. Yes. Um, for me to be as primary caregiver, we've also had some horrific experiences with agency um, nurses and and care aides that I've outlined in previous, (laughs) previous podcasts, but just we've had some really, really bad experiences where he's had to go to the hospital. And at the end of the day, in my personal perspective and opinion, the best care comes from those who care. Um, it comes from those who aren't just looking for a paycheck. It comes from those that have a vested interest in the health and well-being, like you were saying, for their partner, right? And it's almost like we're penalized for that. We're penalized because we're unable to go to work because we're caring. So it's like a double-edged sword. It's like you want to stay home and care for your partner and give them the best care. Well you're going to have to suffer financially. And it's just, it's not right, you know, especially in organizations that are willing to spend $65 per hour is what they bill out currently for nursing, which my husband qualifies for 24 hour care. So think about that over the course of a month, how much money they're saving just because he's married and has a wife that cares about him that wants to be private with her husband and live a a proper husband and wife relationship with, without a third person there. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, my thought around, um, you know, everything that's happening with COVID and everybody working from home, I sort of had this thought, um, maybe that would actually provide more employment for those living with disabilities, because you are not seeing the stigma of having a disability in person meetup and interview. Um, I'm wondering if that will change at all. And also being able to work from the comfort of your home behind a computer screen, you are technically able to do everything that anybody else is able to do Uh um, from the comfort of your home. If you don't have those transition hours of commuting Uh and getting yourself set up and you are at home with everything you need, sometimes even the nursing staff available to you if you do qualify for those for that full-time care but so those were kind of some thoughts I had and we had um, a discussion around this on our WAGS of SCI virtual Zoom meetup last week so these are you know these are thoughts that are good to kind of keep in the back of our our minds and hope that we are progressive in moving moving towards a more equal um, opportunity society for those living with individuals. 
Yeah, for sure. Those are all good, have, really points. Uh, yeah. So I have one thing that I just want to read out quickly as we wrap up today's episode of the podcast is I would like to read a quick quote from my book that lives on my nightstand that was given to me by Alexa Richie, one of our ambassadors. The book is Heart Talk by Cleo Wade, I believe. And the, the quote is this. Change is necessary. It is important. And it also makes life exciting. When we fear change, it keeps us in an energy of feeling stuck, powerless, and resentful. But when we embrace change, we open ourselves to understanding that anything is possible. Life is not supposed to stay the same. We are not supposed to stay the same. Our life, our communities, and our world are always in bloom. When we understand this, we see that change is growth. And growth is essential for each of us to reach our individual and collective potential. That's a great quote. That's really, really good. And that book is amazing. Um, If anybody wants a book to keep around whenever they're feeling, you know, low or they need some inspiration, it's just full of amazing little quick passages. It's an easy read, but it's, it's, it's amazing for just keeping around and having as your little motivator. And I also think, you know, that is such a good quote for our podcast topic today, because, you know, and this is the reason why we're sharing our thoughts on this. You know, we know that if this, you know, gets listened to by the wrong person, it could, you know, threaten our case, but we don't care. We don't care because we know that we are fighting something that is fundamentally discriminatory and wrong and outdated. And if nobody does the work and nobody presses the issue, then nothing will ever be changed. And, you know, like the quote says, change brings amazing things to the world. And I think we're, we're part of a really exciting time right now. I think there's so many new things coming on the horizon, so many new changes and attitudes, people that are inauthentic that are using people in and using the system are being shown and light has been is being shone on organizations that are not functioning for the higher good of you know people involved with them um this is a time where these things are being seen by everybody and so it's important for you whoever's listening right now to use your voice and to like talk about your situation because the more people know about what's going on behind the scenes, the greater possibility there is for change, the greater possibility there is for someone to listen to this and say, I can help. I can do something. I can make a change. You know, whether it's getting funding for being a caregiver and a partner and not being discriminated against or getting funding for something to do with his disability that he didn't know he had and something that is life changing. Or for instance, you know, we spoke to Charisma Jameson about this in the past. They're working in their home state of Virginia to change the laws for marrying. Um, they are legally not going to be able to get married because then Cole will lose his benefits and they're speaking up on this. And so we always say Wags of SCI have the most powerful voices, we think, um, because we care so, so much. And we also are willing to go to bat for our partners. And so that's why this upcoming month is so important because I think we have to start exposing the nitty gritty. We have to start exposing the stuff that people are afraid to expose. I think that is like, it's, it's powerful because bringing about change isn't easy, 
Um, but someone's got to do it. And now is the perfect time. So keep, keep using your voice. You are heard. You are seen. This community sees and hears you. So thank you once again for listening to the WAGS of SEI podcast hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. If you have any questions at all about anything we were discussing or you want to get in touch with us, um, feel free to email us wagsofsci at gmail.com. Um, you can also contact us, contact us at at Wags of SCI on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're online, wagsofsci.com. We're everywhere. Um, and this coming month, it's your chance to get your voice heard. If you are feeling injustice, let's get it out there. Let's talk about it. Let's bear all of these things together as a community, as one. Um, and so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. We'd also like to give another thanks to our mentor, Robin Wishart of Wishart Law. Um, we want to thank her for all she's done for the WAGS of SCI community. Um, and again, you can reach her at brainandspinelaw.com. And thank you once again for tuning in. The advocacy and outreach group WAGS of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WAGS, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com, or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.